worship God. I thank you, dear God, for life and strength and good health. Heaven's many blessings, the peace of God to rule in our hearts. I give you the glory and the honor. It all belongs to the old Jesus Christ. Thank you, my Father. Thank you, my Father. Everybody said praise the Lord. All right, if you have a Bible, I want to turn your attention to the book of Jude, which is just before Revelation, if you have wondering where it's at, just turn to Revelation chapter 1, which is the last book of the New Testament, and then you go probably one more page back and you'll be at Jude. All right, Jude, we're looking at verse 6, verse 6, okay, take your time, help yourself to find that place. Verse 6 reads like this, and the angels which kept not their first estate, but left their own Habitation, he hath reserved in everlasting chains under darkness unto the judgment of the great day. Everybody said praise the Lord. If you have also in your Bible, if you would look, you have it. If you'll find it, that is. Uh, I want to turn your attention to the gospel according to John. Gospel according to John. Take your time. You find John's account of the gospel. Then I'm going to ask you to take a good look at verse, chapter, that is, chapter 14. Verse 2 of chapter 14. In my Father's house are many mansions. If it were not so, I would have told you. I go to prepare a place for you. Everybody said a place for me. You may be seated. The Lord bless you. The Bible tells you that, of course, Genesis chapter 1, God used Moses, and um, apparently he used Moses to give us the first insights into his own thinking, God's own thinking, and of course it tells us in the beginning, God. So Moses is used to introduce God to the world, and uh, he begins to give to us the acts of creation, what the Lord did. And then your Bible teaches you, of course, it uses terminology such as before the foundation of the world. And we find in Revelation chapter 12 that John the Revelator is used to give us a rather keen insight into the, not only the mind of God, but the happenings, things that took place before the foundation of the world. 
And uh, he, you know, here you are reading along, and the Bible will certainly surprise you. And uh, that's good. God keeps us on our toes. He doesn't ever want you, and you better never think that you know it all and uh, that you've got it all figured out. I'm going to tell you right now, you don't want to play chess with God. And I think I told you about the the man in the one of our churches, and he told, um, I don't know how word got around, but somehow he was going to play chess with the pastor who's reputedly a very, very good chess player. And um, so the pastor, he said to this man, he said, uh, he said, now I don't want you to go easy on me. I realize that your respect for me as a pastor, he said, but you, you just play like you play. Don't, don't go easy on me. So he proceeded to checkmate him in three moves. And uh, I know I told you this, but I want to make a point here this morning that um, if Diego could beat you in three moves, then think about what God could do. So you don't want to play chess with God. You don't want to, the moral of the story, I think, is you don't want to play games with God. The devil would like to get you in your mind to be constantly trying to uh, outmaneuver the Spirit of the Lord. And uh, you wouldn't think that you would do that, but that's what you begin to involve yourself with. You're trying to outthink God, outstep God, outposition God. You're trying to figure out, well, if God does this, then I'll do this. And if I do this, then I guess God will do this. You know, How silly and how totally ridiculous. And the enemy would like to tie up your mind, tie up your life, and cause you to lose your place or your habitation. Cause you to not keep it. I want to read to you the amplified version, which sometimes we will use another uh, version for maybe a little clearer English. Um, There are many words that I could give to you this morning from the King James Version of the Bible, which is the most stable version of the Scripture. Uh, And we certainly, it is our foundationary Scripture. Uh, We will look to other versions for, like you would look up in a dictionary or some other type of a reference book. We will study and we will do that. Uh, the Bible did say to study to show thyself approved. We will do that. But we always come back to that King James Version. And I think I've told you in, in flying, you uh, no matter how much you learn to do different maneuvers in an airplane, you always go back to your basics, straight and level flight. You, uh, you don't want to try to land a plane coming off of a, a barrel roll or a pylon or uh, some kind of split-S maneuver. Uh, You don't want to be doing that. You're taking off and you're landing in an airplane are your most dangerous moments, and you have to be extremely cautious in doing that, and so you want to follow all procedures, and you definitely want to be uh, taking off and immediately getting to what's called straight and level flight, and you want to get to a stabilized position. So it is written in the Bible, lead me to the rock that is higher than I. You want to get to that place of balance and stability. We want to realize that Jesus Christ is the rock, and who is a rock like unto our God? He is providing for us stability. He is providing for us 
a place of safety and a, a place that's not going to be moved. It's going to be solid. Okay? And so, listen though, as we have read to you from Jude, and I started to tell you how the Bible will just, you know, all of a sudden throw you a curveball, you know, and where'd that come from? But for an example, in this same book, you'll read about Enoch prophesying. Go back through the Bible. I never read about Enoch prophesying one time. But boy, the Holy Ghost can, friends, show you things as he said he would. And he can then, things that he shows you and gives to you, he can bring those things to your remembrance in your tough moment, in your challenging moment when the enemy would like to push you off balance. Everybody said amen. amen. I don't care anything anymore really, about football. But, you know, when I was a young person, uh, the coach would always, they'd tell you to get down in a three-point stance, and uh, they'd come out of nowhere when you least expected it, and they'd hit you somehow. And the idea was to try to get you in a moment of being off balance, and you'd just go whoop right over, or whoop right over, or whoop right over, and there you are laying on the ground because you, you didn't have the right balance in your stance. So you want to make sure that your stance in God, your position in God is balanced. You've got to work at that. You know, you've got to work at that. You've got to be conscious of that. And you've got to know that in any given moment, a spirit can come out of nowhere and try to knock you off balance. In the Old Testament, when they would get an enemy, they would cut off his thumbs and his, his great toes. They would do that to take away balance and ability to grip and hold on to. Now Jude said, once again, and the angels which kept not their first estate, but left their own habitation. Now listen to this. Angels did not keep, that means care for, guard, or hold to their own first estate place of power, but abandoned their proper dwelling place. That's an amplified version. That's a little plainer, isn't it? Kind of gets right down where you live, where you can really hear and understand something, I hope, that you want to realize the angels here, these fallen angels, they gave us uh, a real example here of how not to do it. <laughs> how not to do it. You can learn something from this bi biblical, scriptural insight that is given to you if you'll take it in and you'll take a good look at it and tell yourself, Jesus Christ went to the cross. He gave that flesh for the sin of the world. And he told you, he said, I go to prepare a place for you. Now, everybody's got it figured out that he's uh, up there, an old man, you know, with a long white beard, and he's all humped over, you know, and he's got a cane there, and, and you know, and he's got a, uh, an architect's table, and he's got the, the plans all out there, laying out there, and he's, he's figuring how he's going to build your house. Wrong. That's thinking naturally. You must learn how many lessons have we taught you? Spiritual. You've got to think spiritually. Where's the bread? Where's the bread? Marvin, you didn't bring the bread, you know. And he wasn't talking about bread. He was talking about false doctrine. He was telling them to beware of the false doctrine 
of the different groups and denominational groups. And, and Jesus was trying to warn them about that. And they took it to mean naturally they said, oh, nobody brought the bread, leaven, bread. And that wasn't the case at all. Natural thinking. We've got to learn to think spiritually. You've got to look at the book and think in God's mind. Look through God's mind. See it through His eyes, if you please. And begin to get the understanding of just what is he talking about? What is he trying to get across to me here? And here I'm telling you that he pulls back uh, the, the cover, if you please, and the shroud. And through John, he gives to us, John the Revelator, he gives to us here that war broke out in heaven. And that there was Michael and his angels and there was the devil and his angels. And that the devil and his angels were thrust out. They were kicked out of heaven, okay? And maybe not kicked out so much as they put themselves out because they took an opposing stance to God. They didn't hold to. They didn't get a grip to. They weren't fully and totally convinced what God had given them. They somehow, it just wasn't good enough. And there's better things than that devil was telling them. Lucifer was telling them, follow me. I've got a plan. We're going to do a better thing. And he tried to lift himself up against God. And friend, you can call that or classify it a family feud if you want to. But all I know is he's our father. And our father, if you please, put his foot down and said, that's not going to be. That's not going to happen. And you're out of here. And he put the de- had Michael and his angels put the devil and his angels out of there. And God began to conduct business the way business was intended to be conducted. Hey, man, who counsels the Lord? This is his plan. This is his mind. This is his thinking. This is his heaven and his earth. And the the universe, heavens of the heavens cannot contain him. Amen. Amen. So they they didn't care for. And they didn't guard. They kept not. That means they did not keep, they did not guard, they did not protect what God had given to them. And Jesus is telling you that you have an opportunity to be a part of his church. You can get your first estate. You can get that place. He said, I go to prepare a place for you. He was saying, I'm going to Calvary, and I'm going to give this prepared body, this this body of sacrifice on the cross for you, and I'm making a place for you in the church, in the body of Christ. It's for you. It is your place. It's up to you to fulfill that calling that I've given to you, and you can't, you better hold on to it. You better guard it. You better keep it. Of all the billions of people, you find yourself to be among the truly blessed, that you can be baptized in Jesus' name and have the gift of the Holy Ghost, all your sins fully forgiven, and your heart purified and sanctified, and and you're pulled and brought to a place where you can be glorified in the Holy Ghost, and I'm trying to tell you, you better wake up to what God's trying to do in your life, that He's trying to keep you from doing the wrong thing and going in the wrong direction and getting with the wrong people that's going to put you for everlasting habitations where you will never, ever, ever be able to escape. Here, now, you have an opportunity to escape. You can, you can escape the clutches of the enemy. He's grasping for you. He's reaching for you. 
what did it say? Hell hath moved herself to meet you at your, at your coming. The enemy is positioning himself. He wants to swallow you up whole. He wants to take you right down to the sides of the pit. He wants you to be with him for all of eternity with the other miserable angels that absolutely they lost the message. They, they gave it up. They gave it away. They kept involving themselves with the wrong thing until finally their minds were given over to the wrong thing. And they found themselves, uh, what did, listen to what he said now. He said he hath reserved in everlasting chains under darkness unto the judgment of the great day. Now, let me tell you, there's a first resurrection in the Bible teaching you, blessed and holy is he to have part in that. That's what people call the rapture. That's not a Bible word, but what it means is certainly represented in the Scripture, and I'm not going to fight it. But the, the more scriptural way to say it, the scriptural way to say it, is the first resurrection. And after that, there's going to be a second resurrection. But the difference is the first resurrection, blessed and holy, he that part. But the second resurrection, friend, is nothing but dead folks that have come up out and up before God's throne and they get judged and they get then thrust into that, that bottomless pit, that, that absolutely second death, the Scripture called it, and you don't want to find yourself separated from God for all of eternity. You don't want to be making friends, and you don't want to be cozying up to wrong spirits and people that's got wrong attitudes. Don't think you can go uh, rub shoulders with people who's got the flu and that you're not going to get the flu. You're playing a, a very uh, unsafe game of Russian roulette, if you please, and one of these times you're going to spin the barrel and it's going to be loaded and that's going to be that. And it's all going to be over. You're going to get a spirit. It's going to get a hold of you. I read a story about a man that was uh, very promiscuous and he was involved with all kinds of women. He kept playing around and he was very wealthy and he lived up on the 40th floor of a high rise and he told people, he said, if I ever get AIDS, he said, I'm going right through that plate glass window. Well, one day after he'd had his test, they notified him by mail, and he was positive on the HIV. And, friend, he went right out that plate glass window and plummeted 40 floors to the concrete. I'm going to tell you something. You don't want to keep playing Russian roulette. You don't want to keep playing games because it's going to happen one of these days. The wrong thing. The devil's going to be right there. Eve kept on messing around and first as you know she partook of what God said no. She broke that commandment of what the lawgiver said don't do it. In the day you do it you'll surely die and friends she messed around and kept on and kept on until finally it happened and when it happened then she got uh, Adam all involved and the next thing you know they're put out of the garden well do you see a spirit here do you see a cycle here it's Lucifer and his group they get put out of heaven they come to planet earth to do wrong and to try to mess up God's plan they wanted he just wanted to destroy he was so mad and so upset and you could stand around and say well what did I ever do it doesn't matter whether you ever did one thing or not the enemy wants you and he wants you because he wants to just in God's face he wants to say I got another one I got another one and what did God say about Job he said here's a man that you can't do anything with and he said well you just let me take all his little goodies and we'll see what happens to Job he'll cuss you to your face well he took everything that Job had every materialistic thing every natural thing and Job did not curse God to his face 
Job maintained his faith and his belief and his integrity, and he stood strong for God. Doesn't mean it wasn't difficult, but you've got to learn what Isaiah said, to glorify ye the Lord in the fires. You can't just, you know, when it's nice and the wind is to your back and, and it's a beautiful, bright, and sunny day and everything's great, you know, you can't just live for God then. Live for God then, yes, but not just then. When the, when the clouds come and, and it gets very dark and the rain is coming and the lightning and the thunder, friend, and the wind is a headwind and it's against you, you've got to live for God. When the enemy's trying to play havoc with you, you've got to glorify God. When he turns the heat up, friend, and gets ready to throw you in the fiery furnace, you better stand for God and let the enemy know we're not careful to answer you. We're going to live for God. Whatever you do to us, whatever you say, whatever you take, whatever you do whatever it's going to be we're going to live for God we're not going to abandon our place we're going to hold our first place he said I go to make a place for you you got to tell yourself the church is my place it's where it put me I'm in the body of Christ I'm not going to leave I'm not going to bend I'm not going to bow I'm not going to give in I'm not going with them anywhere I'm going with the church to heaven that's where I'm going friend that's where I'm going yes sir the angels made a huge mistake. They didn't keep it. <clears throat> they didn't care for it. They didn't guard it. They, they didn't hold on to it. They didn't hold on to their place. and hold on to their habitation. Knowing that you, you are given a place in Christ where only you fit. Only you fit. He makes that special place for each and every one of us. He said, I go to prepare, friend. He was going to Calvary to prepare that place. He didn't need a, a bunch of plans pulled out on a, on a piece of furniture. He didn't need uh, all of those kind of things. He's God. He speaks things, friend, and they, they happen. And I like when my God speaks the word. I like the way he does things. He's a great God. He's the only God. He's the just one. And he's just one. Isn't that wonderful? And everybody said amen. amen. Well, give him a big hand. Come on. Amen. Amen. A little subject matter in... Uh, 2 Peter, chapter 2, I'm going to begin with verse 1, 2 Peter, chapter 2, but there were false prophets also among the people. Now, this is Peter being inspired and teaching, and he's telling the New Testament church about those that were before them, and he said there were false prophets among the people then, and he said, even as there shall be false teachers among you who privily or privately shall bring in damnable heresies, even denying the Lord that bought them, and bring upon themselves swift destruction. 2 Peter chapter 2. Verse 2. And many, here's where you better worry, and many shall follow their pernicious ways. Pernicious means injurious. It's going to bring harm to you. Many shall follow their harmful ways, pernicious ways, by reason of whom the way of truth shall be evil spoken of. The way of truth. What I worked on the radio this morning, how that uh, the man by the name of Saul, how that he persecuted this way, this way. Jesus said, I am the way. And friend, what we've got, it's the way, it's right, and, and the enemy hates this way. He'll let you do anything. He'll let you go anywhere. He'll let you rub shoulders with anything. As long as it's not this. You hear me? As long as it's not this. 
Oh, he don't want you to have the truth. He doesn't want you to do the things that please God. He doesn't want you to find your place in the body of Christ. And that, be, that goes beyond, that's a spiritual thing. That doesn't have to do with this world. It has to do with the world to come. Everybody said amen. amen. So many shall follow their injurious ways by reason of whom the way of truth shall be evil spoken of. And through covetousness shall they with feigned words. That means fake, phony, plastic words. Oh, they can lay it on thick as molasses. But it's fake and it's phony. Okay? And said with feigned words, they'll make merchandise of you. They're just going to use you. That's all. Whose judgment now of a long time lingereth not. Remember we read, said swift destruction. Okay. And said, verse 4, For if God spared not the angels that sinned, but cast them down to hell. You know, the Bible said that hell was not made for us. It was made for the devil and his angels. You see, they didn't want the place that God had for them. All that God did for them, all that his mind and his, his, his love and his concern and his burden, for God so loved the world, his burden, you know, everything he was doing before the foundation of the world, God sees the beginning to the end. But everything, and, and that he had created these angels, and he had, and, and Lucifer was, was one of the uh, archangels that, that protected the throne of God. He was close. He was close in, friends. Oh, but he, the Bible's telling you now, he was cast down to hell, and he delivered them into chains of darkness to be reserved unto judgment. Oh, man. You know, the devil likes to use sympathy. He likes to make people... Uh, experience human experiences the church doesn't do sympathy we do compassion and there's a big difference the enemy uses uh, sympathy and people take the wrong side people get on the they feel sorry for the devil they feel sorry for those that follow the devil okay they're feeling I, I think I've told you about the woman that uh, her and her husband went down uh, into some country, and um, she thought she found herself a, a little a little tiny dog, and she she was so sympathetic towards a dog because it looked mangy and and you know malnourished, and so she took it to herself and she petted it and she just wrapped it all up and you know now you see them walking them with strollers right. Maybe they have pampers on, and they and they they get their treats at the at the doggy bakery, huh? And uh, and so she, uh, this woman wraps this up and takes it on the plane and goes home and her and her husband and she noticed that it was looking a little sickly. At least she felt like it, and she just felt so bad for it, poor little thing. And so she took it to the to the uh, veterinarian. And the veterinarian took it in, closed the door, and went in his operating room, his laboratory, and came back out, and he said, um, said, ma'am, he said, I hate to inform you, he said, but that's not a dog, that's a rat. 
He used the term false prophets and false teachers. And you can cozy up and you can feel like, you know, just have so much sympathy. You know. And believe me, people know how to work the sympathy button. They know how to push it. And they know how to get people to feel so sorry. Many a time, people have paraded into the church with their, their wife and their uh, kids, you know, and everybody looking, came, dress rehearsal. You know, they wore ripped clothes. and They purposely uh, came unshaven or uh, dirt on them or hair not washed or whatever. Everything askew every which way. And, and right away, people are just, oh, oh, you know, and all that. Meanwhile, you know, a block away, that's where he parked his brand-new Cadillac. And after church, they all went on down and got in that brand-new Cadillac. And you find out that this person probably had enough money to buy you out and build a fence around you while they were at it. But you had the sympathy button, button pushed. You know, there's a big difference between sympathy, which is a human emotion, that the enemy uses, and compassion, which is what Jesus was moved towards people with, compassion. Understand what it means to be in bad shape. Understand what difficulty means. But you know what? The church will bring you to the rock that's higher than you are. The church will prove out your motive, and the church is going to help you to get planted on the rock and put you in a place of stability and make you responsible and bring the good blessings of God into your life. And everybody said amen. amen. Everybody said praise the Lord. Praise Let Lord. me tell you, friend, I, I had nothing. I didn't have two nickels to rub together. When I bought my clothes in the beginning, because uh, I didn't have anything worthy of, of coming to church in, and, uh, man, we went to, it was called the Red, White, and Blue, but you would call it the Goodwill. And, uh, and that's my wife's favorite store today is the Goodwill. That's where she goes for therapy, friend. When she has a tough day, she goes to Goodwill. And uh, that's the truth. And uh, I'll call her on the phone. I'll say, where are you at? She says, therapy. I know right where she's at. And when she gets done with Goodwill, she steps across the street to Uncle Dwight. And what, I don't know what that's called, first choice or something. And, uh, but I'm talking about your first estate, and that's a whole lot more important. It's a whole lot more important. So you want to you wanna let the Lord help you here and school you here on how things are to be done, how that... You need to be balanced in your thinking and in your discernment. And you need to have faith in God. You know, if somebody's sick, well, we serve the healer. If somebody is uh, down and out and poor and behind the, the, hard, uh, the eight ball, so to speak, we serve a God that loads you down with his blessings daily. We, we can lend the strength to people and help them to get on their feet. Many a person has come to the church broke. And in and, and, and body and in health and in finances. And God has absolutely raised them up and blessed them. People who came and knew what God had for them and said, I've got a, God's going to give me a place in the body of Christ. God's going to set me on the rock. God's going to raise me up. God's going to make me responsible. I'm going I'm to do what God said. Let me tell you, many a person has started out, their first tithing was 10 cents. But you know, when they kept their, their place, they didn't step out of their place. You know, I tell lots of people that, you know, they, they want to talk all about the deacon. And I tell them, yeah, well, I said, just remember, deacon means helper. It don't mean church boss. 
It means help them. It means help the pastor. It doesn't mean try to run them around and tell them where to head in at. It doesn't mean that at all. So you might want to learn your Bible. You might want to learn what God is doing and how God does it. And you get in there, friend, and you be faithful with your dollar and give your ten cents. You be faithful with your, your hundred dollars and give your ten dollars. And it keeps on going, friend. And you let God, if you'll be faithful, if you'll hold to your place, and if you'll be uh, thankful for your place, you won't try to exalt yourself because that's a big, fast trip on the elevator down to the basement. You know, if you exalt yourself, you will be abased. Abasement. You will go to the basement. And you don't want to go to the basement. You want to be where God wants you to be. God longs to help you to grow up in Him. He wants you to be settled. He wants you to be established. He wants you to be balanced. He wants you to be fruitful. And He longs to put His blessing upon you. But some people, I tell them all the time, tell you all, all the time, I hope God blesses every one of you with a, with a limousine. Just don't get in it and drive off and be gone. That's not what God gives it to you for. Whatever God gives you, remember that He given it to you to be in His work and glorify His name. He wants you to be a part. It's not for silliness. It's not for wastefulness. It's not to promote sin. It's not to give to people that are going to go out and do the wrong thing with it. You better know why there is what there is in your life. And you better hold on to your first estate to what God's given you. You better say that's my heavenly estate. That's my spiritual estate. That's what God gave me and I'm responsible for that. I got to make sure this is done right. Got to be right. I'm going to have to give an answer to God. Everybody said amen. You can't worry about the mean looks. You can't worry and let it affect you. People that have things to say. Pressure to bear. And all of their rationalizations and arguments. No. No, no, no. That's what happened to the angels. They listened to, to Lucifer. And his, he, he sounded so convincing. And, you know, people would say, oh, I would never listen to that. I would never go against God. Well, you'd be surprised how many people go against God. Because the first thing they're going to say is, that's not God. You know? And they're going to question. And they're going to fight. And they're going to resist. And there are many tricks of the enemy. And the Bible told you to take unto yourself the whole armor of God so that you could handle all those wiles of the devil, tricks of the devil. And he's got a whole bag full of them. And I'm not bragging on them, but you better know what you're dealing with and who you're dealing with and how he can uh, manipulate people like pieces on a chessboard. And how he can move them. One place even, look, Satan even moved God. So, oh, believe that. Well, I'll show it to you right in the Bible. God said that you moved me against Job without cause. Job didn't do anything wrong. Job been doing it right. But Satan, Satan went after Job because he said, I'm going to make that guy fall. I'm going to make that guy curse God to his face. And, and the angels of God, the sons of God presented themselves before God. And Satan showed up. Yo, you know, he'll show up. He'll show up in Winn-Dixie. He'll show up in Subway. Oh, he'll show up in places, man. He's just hunting you down. He's looking for you. Family dollar, he'll be there. Oh, yeah, he'll just sidle up to you. 
Oh. Hey, baby. You need to turn around and say, I ain't your baby. I ain't your baby. Oh, no. Oh, no. You got to, you got to realize what a spirit does. And, he, man, that old serpent, he slithered right into Eve's life. And then Adam, he just said, he added a three-letter word, N-O-T, not. Thou shalt surely not die. Just drove that little wedge there in her mind to, to get her, nudge her away from what God said, what the truth was, what the commandment was. He said, don't partake of that. Don't touch that. Don't get involved with that. Because in the day you do, God said, thou shalt surely die. And the devil said, not. And sometimes that's all some people need is a little religious sanction. And you'll always know that they're religious and, and their position because they'll probably have a baseball cap like one guy did and said apostle right across the front. They left no doubt so that you would know. See, and, and that hat was very necessary and that label was very necessary because, see, the way he would cuss, you'd never know that he was supposed to be any kind of a preacher. I was in a, a dealership the other day because there was a problem with the vehicle and I took Pastor Urshan and... Uh, we went inside to the service manager, and you know what that means. It's almost that's second. It's in second place next to the ER, next to the emergency room for waiting. Y'all follow me? It was about four hours in the waiting room, right? And uh, I think we were two hours in the service department. So anyway, uh, after a while, I was just, I said, I I'm going to go. They were doing some construction. So I'm going to go look at that construction. I'm kind of like see what they're doing over there. And so I, I just walked out and. Well, after everything got finally got done and we got in the other vehicle and we left, um, he, said, he said, you know, did you see that woman that came in the service department? I said, no, I didn't. He said, um, he said well, he said, boy, she sure was looking at you. I said, well, I'm a fine-looking man. Why not? <laughs> I really didn't think that or say that. I just, I just, I don't, want her, I don't want anybody to think like that. As a matter of fact, she thought what I like people to think, and she said it to her mother, and Pastor Urshan's there, and they didn't know who he was. They didn't know anything about him. And he'd just been saying that. I mean, he felt like a wall fixture. He'd been in there so long, play a part of the place. And so, but this, this young lady said to her mother, she said, looking out the window at me, she said, preacher man, preacher man. So when he told me, I said, well, good. I said, I like it when people know that I'm a preacher. I like that they know that I'm a man of God. I want them. I don't want to have to wear a baseball cap that says something up there, pastor or senior pastor or apostle up there. I don't want that. I want there to be something more that's coming, you know, from me here, you know. And, uh, I mean, it's like uh, I always tell about Marvin worked down at the, uh, before he was a mailman, he worked down there at the dealership here locally. And um, I said, who's that guy? He's got that shirt on with all that stuff on, writing on there about Jesus. And he said, <laughs> he said, that guy cusses like a sailor. And so, well, okay, you know. But so we, we have uh, from the same fountain, we got two things going, don't we? We got bitter and we got sweet. And that can't be the book set. And your life does not need to be a double life here. You can't say, uh, I'm living for God when you're doing all the things that are ungodly. And the devil, absolutely, he wants to ruin 
your place and he wants to pry your hands off of the spiritual things. Get you out of your place in God. Get you not to keep it. Get you not to guard it. He wants to slip into your life. And I'm telling you, he'll show up anywhere. And he'll start his little not, not, not. Thou shalt surely not die. It's okay. And all of that. And he'll supply all kinds of false prophets and false teachers. And he'll put some religious sanction on it. There are, there are young children that have been sent out to fight modern-day warfare, tanks and AK-47s and all kinds of things, and sent those kids out with broomsticks and rocks because they told them, their religious leaders told them, that don't worry about it. You're going to die. You're going to die a martyr. You're going to go on right up. And there's going to be 25 virgins waiting for you. This is what they tell them. This is documented information. Now, first of all, that's appealing to nothing but flesh and carnality. Okay? So you got to stop and ask yourself. We're back to the to the leaven. We're back to the bread. Why am I thinking about that? Jesus is talking to me about false doctrine. Things that are false. Things that are going, but the enemy appeals to the flesh. And you've got to reject that out of hand. You've got to stop that from going on in your mind. You've got to put on the helmet of salvation. You've got to take the whole armor of God. When the enemy sends a fiery dart your way, you've got to have that shield of faith that will quench the fiery darts of the enemy. It's been said historically that they would their shields were made very often out of leather and that they would soak them in water so that when a fiery dart hit it, it would extinguish it. We've got to be soaking in Holy Ghost water here. We've got to have that that well springing up inside of us, that river of God. We want to be in an environment. We want to soak our brain in spiritual things, in godly things, in holy things. And if they say to us, uh, all you do is go to church, that should be music to your ears. Yes, we go to church. Yeah, we don't go to the club. We're not drinking. We're not alcoholics anymore. We used to be, but not no more. Not anymore. Not anymore. Not anymore. You better hold your place. You better hold your position. You better maintain your balance. And I better quit. Quarter of 12. Man. Somebody move that clock? All right. Let's stand together. You can put that by the door because we've got to take that, I think. Everybody said, Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. All right. The angels paid a an eternal price, not just a heavy price. It was a heavy price, yes, but they, it's worse than that. They are paying an eternal price. That's what your Bible teaches. And you and I, we have an opportunity here. We have an opportunity. We can, we can be in that first resurrection. When his voice comes and they that are in the grave hear it, they're coming out of there. Well, that's where the song came from. Ain't no grave going to hold this body down. Well, you know what? The grave ain't going to hold the body down in the second resurrection either. The difference is going to be the blessed and holy as he hath part in the first resurrection. Upon them the second death hath no power. Hath no power over you. You want to be in that 
first resurrection because then you're going to be with Jesus forever. And then you're going to be with him to judge the world and the angels. Team, hear me. And you're going to be able to be looked at as somebody that's in their place, right where God puts you, doing what God wanted you to do. I've heard people, you know, and they talk about a whole bunch of stuff, and I want to tell them there wouldn't be a whole bunch of stuff to talk about if it wasn't for God through his church into an individual's life and that person standing faithful. That's how it happens, my friend. That's how it takes place. All the good things that can get handed down are intended to be spiritual things for spiritual use, for godly things. Amen. Let me tell you, there some people thought they were going to, you know, mess with my pastor. And he said, uh, you know, you've read that, that license plate that said, I'm spending my grandkids' inheritance. Well, let me tell you something. He said, I'm going to make sure there's not nothing left because it's all going to be in building churches. It's all going to be in doing the work of God. We're going to make sure that it's going where it's supposed to go. Let's make sure we're doing with what God gave us for what he gave it to us for. I don't want the devil's slimy hands on it. I don't want all the carnality and junk of this world. I want spiritual things, godly things, holy things. And I want to be able to be like Job. You know, you see the latter end of Job. Because it does rain on the just and the unjust. But you see the latter end, and that's what I'm telling you about. These angels in the latter end, they're reserved in darkness and chains of all of eternity. But there are people. There are people. I've told you many times about dear old Sister Canna. Friend, how she dreamed. God gave her a dream coming up out of that grave and the Holy Ghost grabbing her and taking her. Oh, friend, that's worth living for. I'm telling you, you want to be in that first resurrection. You don't want to go in the wrong direction when you go in the grave. You want to go in the right direction. And you want to be with the right one coming out of that grave. You want to be with Jesus for all of eternity. You want to be with him. And I'm telling you, now is the time for you to say, I've got a grip. I'm going to keep what my place is. And Jesus went and made that place for me. That's my place. you got to get possessive. Paul said, this is my gospel. This is my gospel. I'm in the church. I'm in the body of Christ. He's given me this. It's mine for all eternity. Let's lift our hearts with our hands and let's worship him. What does it mean to be saved? More than just a prayer to pray. More 